how do I assess whether I'm working with or for the right leader? It's a question that you're going to ask yourself when you're about to join a company, whether it's a startup or a larger company. And it's a question that it's really important to ask yourself as you are within a company or within a startup. You know, you want to make sure that you are in the right environment where you can truly be yourself and really have a work experience that you're thriving in. Welcome, I am your host Dino Cattaneo and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. Today's episode is actually inspired by the last two episodes. You may recall a couple of weeks ago, we had an episode about the definition of success and creating your own definition of success. And at the beginning of that episode, I spent about 10 minutes talking about my thoughts on how you should think about defining success. In last week's episode, we had Ronnie Salem and Gil Blander from Inside Tracker talk about the process of finding each other as a chief scientific officer and founder of the startup and a CEO. And so the process of matching, finding the right match and the right partner. So the combination of those two episodes is the inspiration for today. On one hand, I really enjoyed spending a little bit of time just tackling a topic by myself. And then the idea of matching lines up with questions that I have had from friends, clients, people that I mentor. And it is this question, how do I assess whether I'm working with or for the right leader? It's a question that you're gonna ask yourself when you're about to join a company, whether it's a startup or a larger company. And it's a question that it's really important to ask yourself as you are within a company or within a startup. You know, you wanna make sure that you are in the right environment where you can truly be yourself and really have a work experience that you're thriving in. So as I said, this is gonna just be me talking. It's gonna be a little shorter than our usual episodes and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, here we go. How do you assess a leader that you're working for or you're about to work for? I'm going to start by setting up sort of like the ground rules or instruction for use of what you're going to find in, in this conversation. A few things to be transparent about what is in and what is not in this uh, conversation. So the first thing is that there's going to be a lot more questions than answers. And it is the questions that you should ask yourself as you are interacting, observing, and working with the leaders that you are assessing. Uh, and the reason why there's more questions than answers is that there is no right answer. You will need to find the right answer for yourself. The second part is that as you listen to sort of how to think about a leader assessment, you should also make a personal assessment and have an honest sort of moment of introspection and, and be really clear about what's important to you personally. A second important caveat is that this is my personal opinion. It is based on 30 years of personal experience. I have worked for large companies. I have worked for smaller companies. I've been a mid-level to senior level in companies or by the CEO. I've been a C-level officer at a private equity-owned company. I've been an investment banker and a consultant, and in that position, while I was advising private equity and venture capital investors, I had the opportunity to observe 
different companies, different leaders, different founders, how they interacted with their investors, how they interacted with their own team. I was also exposed to leaders at different levels in my work as an executive coach and as a mentor for the Harvard Innovation Labs. My personal observations are also filtered through the lessons that I got from the interviews that I conducted for the podcast and generally from reading literature and keeping up to date with all the most recent thought on the topic. Another important point is that these reflections will probably apply more directly to somebody who is taking a role that is either directly reporting to a C-level executive or two or three levels at most removed from the CEO. That said, many of these questions can also be used by somebody who is coming into a lower level in a company or is starting out in their career or somebody who is taking a role in a larger company. And maybe even to investors who are considering whether or not they want to fund somebody's company or a startup. The other point that I want to make is that these observations will blend personal style of a leader and overall culture of the company. And that's important because one observation that you will have is that good companies in general have, there's consistency between the culture of the leaders and the culture of the company. And, and there's awareness at the leadership level of what type of company it is, what are the strengths and the weaknesses, and really what are the type of people that they want in there. So these traits that you need to assess will not necessarily be easy to assess through an interview process when you're looking for a job. And you will get to learn about them by asking questions directly to the leaders, asking questions to the people around those leaders, by spending time in the company, but also by talking to vendors, to competitors. And that's a really important part of the assessment. The other thing is that you may go through the assessment, you know, and thinking about whether that's a leader that you want to work with through the interview process, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep checking as you're working in a company. And in all honesty, it's okay if you find out six months in that you had missed something and then maybe you're not in the right role. Hopefully that will not happen very often to you, but I think it's important to always take a look and be on guard to make sure whether there's the right fit between you and the leaders that you're working with. Okay, so let's start. And these are not in any particular order. They're just uh, ideas as they came along. Let me quickly start with the list of what we're going to cover so as to orient you. Um, functional ability. What are the strengths of the leader and the company and how does it match with yours? Management style. Is it directive or collaborative? How do they approach motivating the people who work for them? How do they build teams? What are they looking for in the people that they recruit and how do they develop them? Financial transparency. What visibility do they give to their team into the company's financial? Um, what do they love about being a CEO? This is a big one for me. Do they love the actual work or are they more enamored with the status of the position? What activities are they focusing their time on? A point which should apply to every company, but it is really, really important in early stage ventures. How do they manage the resources of the company when it comes to themselves? Are they as frugal as they ask the company to be? And then finally, how do they share the rewards with the team, both the financial rewards and the actual credit for the work? Let's dive in. So the first area of inquiry is functional ability, which is what are they good at and how good are they? And then how does that reflect in the overall culture of the company? 
And what I mean by that is that you can make a broad, high-level classification of the functional area of skill of somebody. You know, and I think about it is like one is the technical ability, product development. One is sales and marketing, although there's an important difference between the sales and the marketing world. And I'll touch up on that on a little bit. And the third one is like the type of leader that it's a operational financial leader and how that is reflected in the culture of the company and, and how the company operates. Like a great example for me of a company that was built with a heart at the operational sort of financial approach is the Southwest Airlines, which is famous for, at least in the early days, for the fact that they basically decided to be an airline that provided a service at the lowest possible cost and really only the service that you needed, which was to go on a short flight in between different points in Texas. And so every decision within the company was designed to minimize cost and to improve operations. So understand what is the main point of strength of the leader you're going to be working with. Make sure that it is in an area that is also matching your point of strength because within the culture of the company, the sort of the heart of the company ends up rewarding people who tend to lean more towards the, the overall culture of the company. There are organizations that are very sales-driven, there are organizations that are very product-driven, and organizations that are very operationally-driven. History has shown that there's not one particular type that tends to be more successful. The more successful ones are the ones that have a, a strong point in one of these three areas and then very good competence in the other two. If you lean too much into a single one of those, ultimately the lack of balance will end up uh, creating an issue for the company. So understand what's your point of strength, understand what's your interest in developing in those three areas and make sure that your leader and most importantly, the culture of the company that the leader is a part of are aligned along that main functional area. And by the way, I'm not advocating that you should only work in a company where your main functional area of expertise and strength is the dominant one. You can definitely have success in a company that is driven by you know being like a sales and marketing person in a product-driven company or being a product person in a sales and marketing company. In that situation, though, it is really, really important to make sure that the leadership understands and values the importance of the other functional component. And this is why overall, at the end of the day, I said earlier, companies that have a balanced approach tend to be more successful. I mentioned earlier that there's a specific distinction between marketing and sales, and that's probably because that's a space where I spent a lot of time. And that is, if you are a marketing person that's going to a very sales-driven organization, make sure that the sales leadership team recognizes and values the importance of marketing. I have seen many, many examples of situations where there's not either an understanding of what marketing is, or it is not valued ultimately. So that was a little detour, if you will. Now let's keep going. The second thing that I think about is the management style of a leader. Is this leader directive and top-down, or is it a more bottom-up leader who tends to maximize the ability of their team? And how good are they at listening if they claim to be a more 
listening and bottom-up leader. Once again, I have a personal preference towards like a more inclusive, more collegiate style of management, but uh, there are great leaders that were great leaders with very directive view. I think if you look at some of the most successful people like Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos, they all had a very strong top-down approach. One thing to look at if you're in a small business context and if a leader says that I am either one of those is how consistent are they in the actual application of that? And specifically, if you run into a leader who says, oh, you know, I'd like to surround myself with people that are all smarter than me and let them out of their way, challenge them, ask them, can you give me an example of a situation where you came to a problem or an issue or an initiative with a very strong point of view as to how it should be executed? And then somebody on your team had a different point of view and that point of view turned out to be better and it turned out being the winning point of view. You know, that's something that you can ask directly to somebody or that's something that you can test and look at the company. Second part, really important, how does the team think about developing and building their team? And that has two parts. The first one is, you know, what's their approach to the type of people that they're bringing in, approach to diversity and diversity in a really broad sense, not just in the ethnical, religious or gender sense, but really uh, skills, backgrounds, education, et cetera. And are they paying lip service to the idea of diversity or are they actually putting practical steps in place to increase it? I had a great conversation a couple of episodes ago with Camila Benjamin Fuller, Chief Diversity Officer at PDC. And she said that when you look at diversity, look at how the fundamentals are implemented. You know, how are people interviewed and hired into the company? How clearly are the expectations for career progression laid out? And then what does the management team look like? You know, how diverse is it? Not just from a single dimension, as I said, but across all dimension. The second part about team building and development is how do the leaders see the responsibility of developing you as a person on their team, not just in terms of the service for the company and the business, but in terms of your overall progression in your career, you know, and, and making sure that as you're going through the experience working for that leader, of course, you want to create a great contribution for the company, but how much of that experience is going to be making you grow, whether it is within the role of the company? So do they have a path for you for learn new skills and then take on more responsibilities? How do they think about allocating tasks, creating stretch assignments where you can grow? And how much is it just, you know, you just need to go and deliver and produce? Another really important point is how do they think about motivation. Are they a stick or a carrot type of leader? Meaning, ask them, how do they think about goal setting? Do they believe in setting realistic goals? Or do they like to set, you know, stretch goals or even unattainable goals so that they, you will get farther than you think you are? And there's nothing wrong with like, you know, a culture of setting stretch and really high goals, but how do they deal? with the team once those stretch goals are not met you know is there a punishment for that or is there an understanding that they were stretch goals are they in general a leader who is more kind of like a supportive cheerleader type of leader and and, and i'm not meaning that into the into a negative way just you know, a supportive leader, or they are they the type of leader in an organization that likes to motivate by fear that likes to you know, always make you feel that you're coming up short. And once again, 
I don't think that, you know, I have a preference right now for the more like supportive environment, but I have been part in my career of a couple of organizations that were very hard driven organization organization where you clearly were let know if you were coming up short organization that had a certain amount of fear and stress embedded in it. And for a stretch of my career, I think those were environments where I learned a lot. And there are certainly organizations that have thrived in business with that type of culture It's just you know, having a clear understanding whether that is the type of environment where you thrive on, because there are certain people who actually like to be challenged. They like to be in a high pressure environment. So make sure that you understand what type of leader they are and how they translate that motivation approach to the organization. If you're going to a smaller or mid-level company and you are taking a very senior level of management or even like meet high level of management role. One thing that I think it's incredibly important for me is financial transparency. You know, what visibility are you going to have into the financials of the company? One thing that, and I'm not talking about detail compensation level, detailed individual compensation level, as I said, I'm talking about generally having a good sense, revenue, projections, costs of the company. You know, if you're in the interview process, offer to sign an NDA and ask to see the financial and see what's their reaction. See what is the level of disclosure that they're willing to give with you and then find out once you're in, what level of disclosure will you have on that? Um, I think that is crucial uh, because as you're taking a, as I said, a senior role in a company, your success is very much tied to the success of the company and having a clear picture of the financial situation of the company. It's incredibly important. What is the communication style? And there's a lot of layers to that, but you need to make sure that you're working in an environment where your communication style matches the communication style of the leader. Is it somebody who likes to communicate informally, but you know, a lot of face-to-face conversations, a lot of messages and things are a little more flowing, or is it somebody who likes formal communication report? Is it somebody who likes to communicate mostly via email or other sort of asynchronous means of communication? And are you comfortable with that? And what are the expectations for your communication? And then also, how clearly do they communicate what they want? And how clearly do they set their expectation? How much of that is left up to you? Are they direct? How do they deal with conflict? Are they comfortable dealing with conflict? Are they comfortable letting you early if you're coming up short? These are all really important aspects of the communication that will determine your work style with them and that will determine your success. And then I wanna talk about a couple of other items that are specific to the leader. The first one is how do they see their role of CEO and how motivated are they by being a CEO? And by that, I mean, there's a trap that you can fall on as people who like the, if you will, the spoils and the rewards of being a CEO and a leader of a company. They like the trappings of it, but they may not necessarily like the actual job of being a CEO. You know, I I think if you're in a startup and you're looking at what the leader is doing, what the CEO is doing, how much time are they spending on fundraising versus how much time they're actually spending on building the business? And I am not saying that the fundraising is not important because obviously funds are key 
to grow a business, but how much of their focus is on creating an image from themselves, enjoying, you know, the idea of being a CEO. And then, as I said, fundraising more and more and more versus actually getting down to the process of building and growing the business. How much do they enjoy the actual product if they're a product-based person and, and being involved in the development of the product? If it's a more of a sales culture, how much do they enjoy being in front of clients? How much time are they spending in front of clients to help sell? So these are all other important questions. And then this is something that is more specific to startups and to startups that are in a really early phase when you're trying to get by and being scrappy. Look at how the CEO travels. Look at how careful are they with expenses, not just for the business and for other people, but for themselves. Are they taking money out of the business for themselves too early when they travel? How are they traveling? Are they traveling first class all the time, going in luxury hotels, or are they being more frugal? And then finally, and I think this ties into a lot of the other things that we shared uh, earlier, like how do they think about rewards for the team? You know, how is, do they think about compensation? How do they think about equity? How do they think about giving credit to the people that are working with them on their team? And this also ties back a little bit to the topic of development that we touched upon before. Are they not only giving you opportunity for development, but are they giving you visibility inside and outside the company or are they taking the credit for your work? Okay, so these were some ideas, some areas of questioning and inquiry to think about as you go about assessing the leaders you're working for. I want to go back just to a quick summary. Functional ability, so what type of strength do they have and how does that match with yours? Management style. Are they directive or top-down? And is that the environment you want to be in? How do they think about building and developing the team and creating opportunities for growth? How do they think about motivation? Financial transparency? Are they able to share results? Do they enjoy the process of building the company and actually being the CEO and doing the work? Or are they more focused on the status of being a CEO? Then we talked about what are they focusing their activities in terms of what are the priorities for the business? And then finally, this is specifically applies to startups that are lean on resources. How are they managing their resources? Are they being as frugals with themselves as they ask the company to be? And then, as I said, final, how do they think about rewarding and sharing, if you will, the success with the team? Hopefully, this will help you, as I said, as you're thinking about the leaders you're working with and where you are and how you feel about your place in your company. Let me know if this was helpful. Reach out to me on social media or via email. All the, all the information will be in the final credits. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. If you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please leave us a stellar rating or a review. Stick around because after the credits, I am going to play a song by Susan Cattaneo. You can find my contact information on the episode page on the website, which is al4ep.com with the number four. And you can email me at dino at al4ep.com. On Twitter and Instagram, look for at al4edp. And on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. 
This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, arranged, and recorded by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also plays keyboards and drums, with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. And now, Work Hard, Love Harder, the acoustic version by Susan Cattaneo with the Boxer Lilis. The heart beats louder than the dollar Shines light in a world gone darker Draws joy in permanent marker Work hard, but love harder Father Time's got a job to do Punches in his time card, then he's coming for you Pray to St. Joe for that nine to five You should be praying to St. Valentine Second time around, 20, 30, 40 years fly through. Suddenly you're wondering where'd your dreams get to. Take your life and turn it up loud